the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Understanding just exactly what saving faith is not and what saving faith really is. And that has been the subject of our time this week here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands. Today, our final look at our series, Sharing Jesus. Once again, what is saving faith? Romans 10, verse 9. That's where we catch up with Pastor Leighton now on today's program. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And some people say, wait a minute, let me get this right. All I have to do is confess, and all I got to do is believe, and I'm going to be saved. Yes, okay, I'm out the door. Good. But just a moment. Think about it. What are you confessing? You're confessing that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And not just in a generic sense. He's my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. There's another familiar verse in that same chapter, Romans 10, 13. says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Some people say, you know, all I got to need to do is call and I'm saved. Yes, but think about it. Who are you calling? You're calling the Lord. And not just in a generic sense. You're calling my Lord. Now, it's important for us to understand what the Lord is and who the Lord is and what that title means, where it comes from. In uh, the Hebrew word for uh, the Hebrew word Jehovah, translated Lord, uh, was a title that was reserved for God alone by the writers of the Old Testament. Reserved for God alone. About 200 years before Christ, 70 Hebrew scribes got together and translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, biblical Greek. Um, this word-for-word translation was called the Septuagint. And the word that the translators decided to use in the New Testament Greek to correspond with the Old Testament Hebrew Jehovah, Lord, was Kyrios, which is also inter- uh, translated uh, Lord. Now, the Greek word, kyrios, was, off, was sometimes used in extra-biblical uh, materials to designate kings. But in the New Testament, was chosen to convey the essence of the name Jehovah, God. And so when we call Jesus Lord, we are acknowledging that he is Jehovah, that he is God, that he is the King of kings, that he is the Lord of lords. And there's a, another meaning that's attached to that word. Kyrios means master. And so we are, what we're doing is we're declaring him to be our Lord and our master. 
When we call on Him to be our Savior, we are also receiving Him as our Lord and Master. Now, that is a restoration of the place that He should be. Before the fall, He was the one who was in charge. And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take care of the garden and don't want you to take of this tree. It was very simple instructions. We couldn't get it right then. Can't get it right now. Um, But he was in charge. What did mankind choose to do? They They chose to take charge. You know, God, we don't like your pattern. We don't like your system. We don't like your program. We don't like doing what you want to do. We want to do what we want to do. You see that tree out there? We want to take of that tree. And so what they did is they displaced God from the throne of their lives put themselves on, and we see the results today. So when we call on him to be our Savior, we're also calling on him to be our Lord, which means we're inviting him to get back on the throne of our lives and take charge of our lives. Now, how does this affect us? Well, if we were to look back uh, into the life of Abraham as described for us in the book of James, it would say this. It would say, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? I'm going to digress for just a moment here. Um, This story is told in the book of Genesis. Um, God comes to uh, Abraham and he says, That son that you love, Isaac, the son of promise, I want you to take him out and sacrifice him. Now, we know that God does not enjoy children being sacrificed. That's against his law. Um, so it's kind of a, it's something that's kind of hard for us to understand, but this much we understand. Abraham knew the voice of the Lord and Abraham chose to obey the voice of the Lord. Uh, I would have, I would have a real problem with this. I have one son, Sterling. In the first service, I made the mistake of starting to say he's my little son and he's not because he's looking him straight in the eyes right now. He's, He's growing up and I love my son. And if someone, even God, were to come to say, I want you to kill your son, I'd have a real problem with that. And the scriptures say that Abraham believed God. He knew the voice of God, and he was obedient, and he took his son up. He did not know that God was going to stop the sacrifice. He thought that he was going to have to kill his son, according to the scriptures. And the scripture said that he believed in God. He believed that God could raise his son from the dead. And he believed that he, God would raise his son from the dead because this was the son that God had promised to bless him uh, through. And so basically, he put his faith in God. He was willing to sacrifice that which was most dearest to his heart. Whatever was required from God, Abraham was willing to be obedient to. So you see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. You see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, and not by faith alone. And that's why we can say that saving faith, that is trusting in Jesus Christ as our own personal Lord and Savior, is always accompanied by repentance. Repentance from sin, repentance from rebellion, repentance from uh, uh, self-serving to obedience to God. Repentance is turning from something and turning to something, from sin to obedience. Now let's repeat our phrase, God's gift of salvation is received through saving faith. Again, 
God's gift of salvation is received through saving faith. Now, there have been some preachers who have got a problem with this, and this is, the, this is how they argue their point. They indicate that uh, repentance is an act on the part of the individual, which would then be considered a work. And uh, then if we were working in terms of the process of our salvation, then it wouldn't really be salvation by grace, would it? It would be salvation by works. And that's the uh, argument that they use. However, when we look at Scripture, Scripture puts repentance and faith together as two sides of a diamond. It's the same diamond, but it's two sides of it. It's the same turn, but it's two perspectives on the turn. In the same turn, we are turning away from sin, and we are turning to Christ. Uh, Or we're turning to Christ, and we're turning away from sin. And it's not like we are first turning away from sin, and next turning to Christ, or first turning to Christ, and next turning away from sin. It's the same turn. We are turning away from sin, and we are turning to Christ at one and the same time. Now, it's important for us to understand that repentance is not just merely being sorrowful for what we've done. And there are stories in the Scriptures that tell us about people who were sorrowful but didn't repent. Hebrews 12, 17 says that Esau wept over the consequences of his actions, selling his birthright and so forth, but he did not truly repent. The Scriptures tell us that Judas was sorrowful that he'd given the Lord into the hands of the religious leaders, but it doesn't indicate anywhere that he repented. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 7.10, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So just feeling sorry about something we've done is not adequate if it doesn't lead to repentance. If it doesn't lead to repentance, then it's simply going to lead to spiritual death. That's what Paul writes. We find that when we look through the Scriptures, whenever Jesus was dealing with a spiritual matter related to salvation, he always required repentance. Example, a woman caught in adultery. Stories told for us in John chapter 8. Jesus first off confronts the religious leaders who uh, were obviously uh, using her for their own personal purposes. And then uh, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She said, no, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I. Now, some people say, ah, end of story. But it's not the end of the story. And it's not the end of what Jesus had to say to that woman. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, what was Jesus saying? He was saying, repent. Change directions. Don't keep going where you're going. Don't keep doing what you're doing. At the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus said, recorded for us in Luke 24, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. There's forgiveness of sins for all who would repent. Now, if we were to look at the sermons that were uh, presented by the early church, Apostle Peter recorded for us in the book of Acts, we could look at Acts chapter 2, and we would see the first sermon that uh, Peter presented, and it was on the day of Pentecost when people were gathering around to find out what the commotion was about, and in that sermon, he called for people to repent. Acts chapter 2. If you were to go to Acts chapter 3, there's been a healing. People are gathering around wondering what it's all about. Uh, Peter starts talking about Jesus Christ, and he calls them to repent. Acts chapter 3. 
uh, when Paul was on his journey to Rome as he was uh, concluding his ministry, he met with his uh, church leaders, as recorded for us in Acts chapter 20. And this is what Paul said. He says, I have had but one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a bunch of ands in there, but it's all one thing. Repenting from sin and turning to God is one thing, and having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is the same thing. So, therefore, it is clearly contrary to the evidence the New Testament provides us to speak of the possibility of having true saving faith without having any repentance of sins. It is also contrary to the teaching of the New Testament to speak about the possibility of anyone accepting Jesus Christ as Savior but not Lord. If Jesus Christ is our Savior, then He must needs be our Lord. That's what saving faith is. What an amazing series we've been in the middle of, sharing Jesus. More information can be found at our website, highlands.us. We encourage you to visit that website and do so often. You'll also find information about Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno, where this program originates. Well, tomorrow, we'll begin a new series, From Saving Faith to Living Out Our Lives in the Body of Christ. That's tomorrow, here on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.